last week we finished off uh, Amir La'akum, right? And, my, and, and Masa Akum on Shabbat. And since we are on the topic of Akum, I figured we would also go on to a related topic called Gezerot Akum, in which Chazal made various Gezerot for various reasons, uh, things like Pad Akum, Bishal Akum, Chalav Akum, Stam Yenam, Chamar Akum, and we will now uh, explore each one of these areas one by one um, in order to give you a basic understanding in, in, in these areas. First is Parakum. Okay, the Shulchan Aruch in Yardea Bet, based on Gemara and Nebot Zorah. So Hazal will go there that you're not allowed to consume bread of a non Jew. And the reason um, given in the Gemara, uh, in the Vodasara, is because of chatnut. Chatnut literally means um, to marry, from the word chatan, or it could mean to socialize, to be close with. Um, the in- interesting thing is that the, uh, most Rishonim explain that there's a chashash of chatnut. In other words, Chazal were worried about socializing that would bring to intermarriage, and therefore they made a gazera to, key, to create a social barrier in order that you uh, not mix. The Rambam in Pirish Mishnai on the Hoda Zara, I think the mission there appears, it's in the, in the beginning of the, of the second paragraph of Hoda Zara, uh, explains Chatman slightly differently. He says it's a, that you shouldn't socialize because of a chash of hefkerut bedevarim ha'asurim. By the way, that is fascinating if you think about it. Hefkerut bedevarim ha'asurim. In other words, the Rambam felt that the, that the goal of Chazal was not to safeguard against the Isid Yeraita or Lotit Chateng Ban, but rather to, to, uh, to insulate, insulate or isolate you from the society lest you pick up negative Minhagim um, or Hefkerut, etc., etc., etc. And this is the Rambam. The Rambam is telling you stay away from their culture. Yes? I imagine both. I was imagine that they that they observed, you know, issues uh, arising. I mean, you see it throughout Nach, right? right? Throughout Nach, you see Tanach actually. Uh, you know, you see the issues, but yeah, they saw a problem and they, and they started to make it together. Okay? Um, it's like buying from the actual person. Pardon me? The, the, no, 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 no. The pat akum, the bread is also Isra Achila. Regardless if you meet the Najah or not. Isra Achila, right. As the Ramah points out, even in Ramah passes there, even in a Makom that there's not a chash of chatnut, example he gives is that the, that, the, that the baker doesn't have a daughter. Okay, or well, there's no not shayach, you know, of, 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 there's no issue of intermarriage whatsoever. But the Ramah says the gazera still stands, and you can't eat the panakum. Now, before we get to questions, I want to first define pot. What is pot? What does it mean, bread? So, bread by definition is we're talking about the five types of wheat, or five species of wheat that would be kosher for, let's say, making matzot in, and therefore would exclude certain grains that uh, you couldn't. Because if you have, let's say, cornbread, 
if it's not made with any um, with any other flour other than corn flour, it would not fall under the gzera of parakum. It wouldn't be a problem, just as an example. The reason why Chazal specifically zeroed in on bread is because bread was at the center of the meal. And the truth is, a lot has changed since then, but not too long ago, um, you know, Western civilization, the bread was at the center of the meal. Nowadays, we're so affluent in our countries that, you know, people shun bread. You know, you go right for the meat. You go right straight for the meat, and, and you don't need any bread whatsoever. But, but in, 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 you know, in most uh, populations throughout the world, the grain and the bread and the, uh, are still at the center of the meal. Chazal made a gazer because by attacking the center of the meal, they hope to basically make sure that you don't sit down to break bread uh, with non-Jews. Um, secondly, wait, just a moment. Uh, so I define bread. Secondly, um, akum. Is it any akum? Is it any non-Jew that, that's excluded? So the truth is that the Rishonim explained, and this is, by the way, how the Ramah actually paskins, that if it's a professional baker, what's called a, pot, a, a palter, a palter is a professional baker. In other words, he opens up a shop and he bakes professionally. Then the Ramah holds that Mikor Adin, that bread is mutter, and the Gezer did not does not apply. The Gezer was only on a private person's bread, in which you might be going into the home and sitting down and eating bread with them. But if it's a store, and let's say you're talking about a situation that we, you know for a fact that the ingredients are 100% kosher, so according to the Ramah, there is no Gezer. Okay? Um, and that's why nowadays, uh, you know, hashkachot like the OU as an example, it's enough that they, you know, they check, they make sure that there's no unkosher ingredients, but they don't necessarily uh, take care of the issue of pat palkanos. They don't make it what's called lechem Yisrael or pat Yisrael. And those people who are mocked, there are those people that are mocked. The Shach says, in his example, that the only time uh, the Ramaz Matir is if. Jewish bread is not available for that price. Okay, if if the non-Jewish bread is cheaper, then the shach agrees that it would be it would be mutter. There are some people that are they're makbed. They call it to be makbed a pat Yisrael. You want dafka pat Yisrael, and the question is, how do you um, make pat Yisrael? Those how could if you have basically a non-Jewish bakery, how could you transform the pat to be pat, uh, pat Yisrael? And the Gemara says, and this is, this is a consensus of what we've shown him, that it's enough for a Jew to have a very slight um, investment, so to speak, in the bread, such as, as, example, throwing a twig into the fire of the oven, even though it might be adding a fraction of the calories that the oven needs in order to bake the bread, is enough to render it pat Yisrael. Okay? So definitely, let's say, turning on the fire would also... Uh, render it Pat uh, Yisrael. And therefore, if you ever see on packages, it says on Pat Yisrael, it, it basically means you know, not that Jews own the bakery, but rather the mashkiach is always there to turn on the fire um, for that bread. And then it would be considered Pat Yisrael. But as you know, in, 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 all, in many different countries, there are many other breads that have a hashkoch on them, and it doesn't say Pat Yisrael. And the reason why it's mutter is because it's dinner pot palter. That it's you know it's an industry it's it's professional bread and therefore the gazera um, according to their understanding of panakum doesn't apply and yes there are still people that are makbid even to try to avoid even pot palter um, the shulchanach I believe or maybe the ramah brings down on a certain meitshuva the people to try to be makbid on pot palter as an extra humra 
um, to try to get them into the swing of uh, of tshuva and and you know and, and Yom Kippur. Yes, Ellie. So do you not need a rosh kippur with victories? Correct. Yes. Do you say that nowadays we shouldn't socialize with non-Jews? Um, that's the direction that Chazal is is pointing us. Absolutely, absolutely. So, like socializing, like you know, the workers here, they say they have a daughter. Like we're not even allowed to talk to them at all. Um, you shouldn't be hanging with them. Socializing usually means hanging. In other words, using your spare time just to pass time to, you know, enjoying their company, etc. Chazal is steering you away from that. Yes. Um, question. Um, would, if both of the people um, who are making bread are, are not are Jewish, let's say, um, what do you mean? Meaning, rove of, of the bakeries in a city, yes. or rove of the, of the bakers in a bakery? I'm not following yeah, your question. Yeah, I'm saying like if if rove people on the block um, make their own bread, and I mean, all people on the block make their own bread, and rove them are Jewish, are you allowed? To, you assume that the bread you find on the street would be Jewish, right? So it would be like totally Are you trying to like connect no, my halakha ma'isa no, 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 to I'm, the Gemara that you're learning in the morning? No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I was going to ask, doesn't Akum mean mamish obey kochamim and not like a Muslim? Excellent, excellent question. And the answer would be it's clear as day that it's got nothing to do with paganism at all. Okay. Because the reason that Chazam made the Gezeira was chatnut, was intermarriage. So it's enough that they're simply not Jewish. According to the Rambam, though. Even according to the Rambam. According to the Rambam, you're, you know, uh, there's a lot of negative stuff out there in the Western culture you want to stay far, far, far away like, from. Can I add another part? Even in Israel, and even in Israel, I'm saying, you know, the, words, the Rambam was saying that don't, you know, not to expose yourself to the culture. Which is, and he said, you're right. He's saying even the culture, that, that was the reason for the Gezeir. But most, most for like the Ramah, that it's 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 mishum chatim. Okay, yes. Would Bavka let the bread baked by a non-Jewish baker have the din of Panakum? Excellent question. Excellent question. You know, something something that is not really used as bread. Right. Right. Bepashtut that that wouldn't be the same thing. Bepashtut. It would not be the same thing. Okay, let me get to the next topic. Bishul Akum. Cooking of a non-Jew. Okay, this is found in Yerodea Kufyud Gimel. Yerodea Kufyud Gimel, Shukran, right? And here too, the reason that Chazal made a gazera against uh, consuming food cooked by a non-Jew is also because of Chatnut. Okay, um, now... Rashi, by the way, he's a, he's a dot yachan among the Rishon, and Rashi says there was another reason, and that, that, that reason, an additional reason, was because of kashrut. When it came to Bishulakum, but Rov Rishon just say no, there's not a no, double reason, the only reason is because of chatnut. Now, in order to understand the halacha of Maisa, um, I want to give a couple of definitions of what Bishulakum was, according to Chazal. Uh, definition A, B, C, D, and E. Okay? Um, a. The first definition of Bishul Akum is It has to be something that is not normally eaten raw. And the idea here is that the non-Jew in cooking had to do some kind of a tikkun, some kind of an improvement, a, a, a significant improvement to the food. So if you had a non-Jew, let's say, cook a carrot, and carrots are commonly eaten raw, 
So that would not fall under the category of Bishal Akum. Okay? Again, cooked carrots wouldn't be a problem. Something like, let's say, cooked corn would be a problem because corn is not it's not uh, consumed raw. Okay? Now, what if you're going to say, well, what if I eat raw corn? Well, let's say I eat raw potatoes. Okay? So there, there's a cloud of Batla Daito Etzokola Dam. Just because you decide you're going to do something a little bit wacky um, does not mean that, that that becomes a halacha. Because what's the norm? Well, I remember the, many, many, many years ago, uh, Raffaro here in, in Makolet told the Makolet owner to pull a whole bunch of uh, cans of mushrooms from the shelves because it wasn't Bishul Yisrael. And because of the problem of Bishul Akum. And when I heard that, I went to a parent and I said, whoa, what's the problem? You know, people eat mushrooms raw and salads and this and that. And he looked at me like I was from a different planet. And clearly, that I guess it has to do with from culture to culture. Um, the Ramba mentions in the Kirsh Mishnayot that this Necha Kamoshuchai is in the particular country that you're in, if it's consumed raw, so then it wouldn't be considered uh, a significant tikkun. So a lot of you might be thinking, sushi. Right? Sushi. Sushi, as in raw fish, wrapped up in cold uh, rice and seaweed. I know it sounds yummy. Where's the fish, though? Hmm? The rice, the rice. No, the point is that if I could consume, if I, if I could consume, let's say, salmon or tuna raw, so then whenever an, a non-Jew, let's say, cooks salmon or cooks tuna, I could say, oh, it's necha kamoshuchai. And therefore, there shouldn't be any problem of of It's an interesting idea, but it would only apply to that particular type of tuna and the particular type of, 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 uh, of salmon that would be Nechal Kamoshuchai, which is not true of all tuna. Not all tuna is roi for sushi, as it seems. So you can't jump to that quick conclusion, but, uh, you know, the idea is, is, is the basic idea of Nechal Kamoshuchai. Yes, sir? Um, also, so like you have... You said like you know, right in a certain country it depends on that thing. What if you like I don't know, something like say food where you've got a lot of Americans who eat raw mushrooms. That's is it like is it by the whole country or by like I think well, I think Alon Shwood has has caught up culinarily to the rest of the world and now there's a significant part of the population that sometimes eats raw mushrooms. But again, and there are hundreds or maybe more, I don't know, you can Google it, thousands of types of mushrooms. Not all mushrooms are necessarily eaten raw. It has to be this particular thing, like a carrot. He cooked it, oh, it's not that significant that he cooked it because I could have eaten it raw. Okay? The next definition of Bishul Akum is it has to be something that's Ola al Shulchan Melachim. It has to be, find, be able to find its place on the table of a king. Nowadays we are in shortage of kings but I believe that halachically the equivalent would be a gourmet. In other words, if it's something of, of, of low quality, the Gemara gives an example of very small fish. You know, small fish, it wouldn't be raw, it's not raw for a king, and therefore small fish, if a guy cooks uh, small fish, there wouldn't be a problem of, uh, of visual outcome. Uh, hamburgers, uh, hot dogs... Pizza, perhaps. I'm not saying, in other words, it's not that it's also for a king, that a king would never eat these things. The point is, when the king serves a meal, a kingly type of meal, he would not put pizza on the table. Okay? Um, less than, about two weeks ago, 
And my wife brought home a bag of granola. I, I read the, the, the label, which I sometimes do when I'm bored, when I'm eating my breakfast. And, and on the label it said that it was made in Poland. And they gave a hashkacha of somebody in Poland. And I wondered to myself, how did he overcome the problem with Bishul Akum? Okay? So I, 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 I bumped into my friend who's a rabbi in, in, in Poland. Okay, I don't know if he's the chief rabbi yet of, 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 of was it Warsaw? Huh? Krakow, Krakow, thank you. Rabbi Baumel, right? Uh, right, Abu AJ. Anyway, so I asked him, I, I asked him, do you know who this guy is? And he says, yes. He knows He knows the person very well. I said, well, could you ask him what his angle is to allow, you know, for the Bishlakim aspect? And anyway, he got, came, the answer came back that they feel that granola is not Ola al Shulchan Melachim. Not the granola per se, but let's say the oatmeal. In other words, the oatmeal, when, it, when it's just oats, it's inedible. And then they, let's say, they, they, they roll it flat, it's still inedible. And in order to go into granola, it has to be like, you know, either fried or, or baked or roasted to a certain, at a certain level. And that roasting makes it roi lachila. But the, the, their, their claim is that that's not, that product is not ola al-shulchan melachim in itself. And that's why uh, he felt it was okay. And the truth is, the next category, I think, would also be another reason to be makel on, on oatmeal, on, on granola, rather, because oatmeal is not as raw. But, uh, and that's category C, and that is bala lafota tapat. The, the, um, the food that this non-Jew is cooking has to be a type of food that is eaten naturally together with bread. According to Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef Zatzal, Bala fototapat doesn't just mean it's spread on bread, but it really means it's, it's part of the main meal. Bala la fototapat is it's come to give flavor or to make the, the, the bread easier to eat. Again, we're referring back to the good old days when the bread was the majority of the meal and the meat was the minority of the meal. Right? That's bala fototapat. And if it's not bala fototapat, there wouldn't be any use for Bishlakim. And this really opens up a lot of heterogeneity. If you notice, the longer you listen and cheer, the more heterim I'm actually opening up to you guys. Okay? And those, as an example, something like candy. Candy is not balafototapat. Even if the ola al-shulchan melachim, it's not balafototapat. Chocolates and things like that are not balafototapat, unless it's chocolate spread. Then it would be an interesting question. Um, coffee and tea is not balafototapat. It's not really part of the main meal. Snacks like potato chips and pretzels, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all those type of snacks, the snack things, are not bala fototapat. It's not part of the main meal, and therefore there wouldn't be a problem, okay? The desserts, ice cream, ice cream, is not a problem with bishul akum, because ice cream is not bala fototapat. Of course you have to know that the ice cream is kosher, because you do have sometimes non-kosher ingredients in, in ice cream, but it's not bala fototapat. Yes, sir. No, but a burger and hot dog is not Ola al Shulchan Malachim. Even if you had a burger joint, they called it gourmet burger. The truth is, gourmets don't really serve hamburgers. They don't really serve hamburgers, generally speaking, or hot dogs. In other words, it's just not, it's not fancy food. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Each thing is an independent header. Each thing is an independent header. I said one was that if it's eaten raw, normally eaten raw, then it's mutter even though the guy cooked it. 
if it's not ole al shulchan merachim, if it's not gourmet fare, it's mutter even though the non Jew cooked it. And if it's not part of the main meal, it would also be mutter even though the non Jew cooked it. What, Ben? Why, especially you know, for um, you know, asking, you know, in the Jewish feast, why are these relevant? If it's about socializing. Oh, I'll explain to you why it's relevant. Because, in other words, if, if your next door neighbor would invite you to a meal, a, so, a socializing meal, He's not going to put, you know, things that are not, not all al shulchan malachim on the table. That's Chazal. We're being goes are not for snacks. They're being goes are of not not having banquets together with them, not having not not eating food together with them. A for yeah, it seems to be more to a formal meal to a chashu something with chashivut. That was the gazera. Okay. Yes, sir. But you don't need a neighbor. You're selling the barbecue. You're with your neighbor. Yeah. So, so you're right. Barbecues, barbecues are a socializing thing. But in the good old days, when Chazal made this gazera, they weren't on such level of informality when it came to dining. And therefore, the nature of the gazera is only formal dining. Yes, Ben. Wait, so Again, it's part of the chashivot, the importance of the meal. Significant, it has to be a significant part of the main meal. Yes, Yishai. Two things. Number one, is it for generally considered to be something that is lela fototapat? Only something that's bala fototapat is also because of visual No, but you get only that, only that, only, only then it doesn't have to fall into. Right, understood. Um, secondly, uh, something that with visual akum has to meet all these parameters? No. Any one of these coolest or in work independent. To be usher, it has to be all, all five of these. Uh, all five Correct. Of these and if it's excluded one, then it's it's. Then mutter. it's mutter. Yes. Okay. What about beer? You're offering me beer. <laughs> what do you mean by what about beer? Because is you need to prepare. The I'll get the beer. Um, Stay with me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't say that. Did I say that? I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. No, I said it about the twig. The twig trick is about hot And now, now we're going to segue into the next topic. I mean, it's not the next topic if this is part of Bishal Akum. And that is D is defining Akum. Now, as I said before, Akum basically is a non-Jew. But a question comes up of what about Misharte Yisrael, or maids or butlers that work in your house? So the Shulchan says the following. Actually, we'll start with the Rishon. There's some Rishon in the hold that slaves are not included in Bishal Akum because slaves, because, because slaves are really part of your household. And they're not an independent entity. And when Chazal made the Gezerah of Bishal Akum, they didn't make the Gezerah about the slaves that you own, because they're, they're, they're bottled to the house, so to speak. So the Ravid says, not only that, but Ravid says, even hired help that's currently part of your household, the Ravid felt, is also not under the Gezerah of Bishal Akum. Okay? Now, the uh, Shulchan Aruch says, I'm, I'm reading word for word, the Shulchan Aruch says in Kuf Yud Gimel, Halacha Dalit, V'yesh mi shematir b'shvachot shelanu, our maids, he's not talking about slaves, he's talking about maids, 
Yesh Misha Oser Vafilu Bidiavad. On the other hand, there are some dayot that say no, that maids, uh, if they cook for you, are also even Bidiavad, meaning even after they cooked it, you'd have to get rid of the food. There are more than comments, and I'm quoting, Ubidiavad, okay, after the fact, Yesh Lismoch Ad Divrei Hamatirim. You could be, you could rely on those people who are mekil. Vafilu lechatchila nohagim lahakel bebeit Yisrael shashifachot veavadim mivashlim bebeit Yisrael ki iev shashalo yechate achad mi bnei bayit maat. And the Ramah is really basing himself on the pesach of the Shumar Adeshen, and what he's doing is he's kind of like combining this kula of the rived, meaning um, the rived said that hired help that works in regularly in your house doesn't count. He's combining that shita with the possible probability that some, some Jew in the house probably uh, stirred the pot or stirred the coal in some way and therefore uh, would render it okay. okay. First of all, the Ramah seems to be saying that stirring the, the, the fire uh, would be enough to, to make it mutter. In a, question, in a situation that you have a maid cooking, the Ramah says, even if you didn't see a Jew put on the fire, or stir the fire, or stir the pot, you could kind of like assume, most probably a Jew did it. And he's like, therefore he's being makil, uh, or he's just telling that some people are makil, like in that situation. Okay? Do we pass him like the Ramah? Um, I asked Rav Luchensin that once, and Rav Luchensin says, no, you should not be somech on the Ramah lechatchila. In other words, if you have a maid, you shouldn't have a maid instructor just to go ahead and cook for you. Okay, so what can you do? And here we get to E, and that is defining bishul. So someone mentioned before, what about the twig trick? What about throwing in the twig? So I said, the twig trick is only mentioned by the Gemara in connection to pot, to creating bread. It's not in connection with bishul, which was an independent gazera. Okay? Um, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins that lighting the fire, no, it's not even a twig, not enough, but even if a Jew lights the fire, it is not enough to make it mutter for the guy to go ahead and, and cook. Okay? The only thing that would help, according to the, the Shulchan Aruch, is Hagasat Yisrael, that he stir, and according to some, many understand it means to actually put the pot on the fire. And that's how most Sfaradim hold that they have to do what they call Hanacha. Sometimes you might be in certain restaurants in, in Yushalayim, and you'll see, you know, one of, one of the customers getting up from the table, going into the kitchen, okay? And a lot of times they, what they do is they ask to do hanacha, the particular thing that they ordered is, is they, they put the, the, the pot or the frying pan or the meat or whatever it is on the fire directly because the Shulchan Aruch does not hold that it's enough for a Jew in the morning just to light the fire. However, the Ramah says, Afilu hasakad eish, if you either light the fire, or stir, or even throw in a twig, that's considered, okay, Jewish. And not only that, but even if you take, if the guy goes to a, a Jewish home, and takes the fire that exists in that home, and takes with a candle, or something like that, to light her, their fire, that's called Eish Yisrael. According to the Ramah, that would also be enough. So that example, in the good old days, I don't think they have them anymore, but in the good old days, they had such a thing called a pilot light. A pilot light would be in, in, in gas. You have a teeny, tiny little flame in, inside the machine or inside the oven that, that's lit all the time, and when you turn the knob to turn on the fire, so it grabs the, the flame, so to speak, from that pilot light. So that the Jew, 
20 years ago lit that pilot light and it's still burning, so then that's considered Eish Yisrael, according to Ashkenazim, that's enough. And here's one of the rare instances, by the way, that the Ashkenazim are more makel in the Svartim, when it comes to Bishul Akum. Now, um, the Shach comments that, the Shach comments, you shouldn't be so much on this Ramal Lichat Chila. And, and, and again, Rav Luchensin told me many years ago also, not to be so much on this Lichat Chila. However, combining the two things, in other words, if you have a worker, a non-Jewish worker that's working for you under your employ, and you like the flame, what we're doing is combining two different shito together to make a, you know, a type of, of, of to be mekel. He said, the Rav Lukensin said that then you could be so much Okay, so if you, let's say, have a maid in the home that likes to cook, you have to make sure to light the fire. If you have an oven, a stove that has a pile of light, that's the easiest thing in the world. Okay, but you should always be, basically be there uh, to light the fire. Rav Avadi Yosef Zatzal, um, in a number of places, says that people can be somach on this combination of the Jew lighting the fire and the non-Jew being under the employ of a Jew in order to be makel. But in other places, he seems to say, no, no a good Sardi should be machmir and not, not be somach on this cool of the, of the Ramah. Yes? If we go to a kosher restaurant, should we, should we trust that the actual one of the Jewish people there? The Any kosher restaurant yeah. definitely holds to the minimum dinim of Bishalakum. And a mashkiach has to be there, you know, to light the fires. If, if you're if you're a Svarti, or if you have a plan of becoming a Svarti, then what you would you would have to do you would do the Hanukkah, you would have to go in there and put the put the you know the stuff on the fire. Pardon me? In Israel they do. You say you want you tell them you want to do the Hanukkah, they understand what you're talking about and, and they'll let you do it. Yeah. We, we said that, that you could participate in the, according to Ashkenazi, participate in the, in the twig throwing process, somehow uh, lighting the fire, even if you lit the fire and taking the fire from you, right? Or participate in a stirring, um, some part of the cooking, right? If you hand the guy. No, so I, as I said to you, I said to you, Lichachila, it would also have to be someone under your employ. Okay. And you can't go to your, your neighbor's house, Farmer Jones. And just light his stove, and then let him go ahead and cook the meal. Lechatchila. Point to Rav Lechensin. Point to Rav Lechensin. According to pure Ramah, you would be able to do that. Yes. Uh, according to Ramah, does he also extend it to uh, handing him a ladle, like just some part no, of the process? No, no, no. It's only something about the fire. Physical, physically cooking, facilitating the physical cooking of the food All directly, including stirring. Including stirring. Yes, sir. And it has to be stirred before it's cooked. You know, once it's already completely cooked, and the soup is soup, it doesn't help that you go and stir. Okay. Yes, sir. No, no, no. In other words, he says that that you could be makel on this, like this Ramah, if it's a person under your employ and you lit the fire. Lichatchila. But the evidence, if you got home and your maid already cooked something, but the evidence, you could be so much with the evidence. But l'chadchilo, you should be telling him not to not to do it. Yes. Two things. Number one, so the frosting the meat that would be used. That's for not cooking. The frosting's not cooking. No, but if it wasn't, if it were to be, if it wouldn't be defrosted, then the meat would be able to cook it. This is an integral. I'm not with you. I'm not with you. Yeah. Sorry. Wouldn't wouldn't mean anything. Okay. It's not a part of the cooking process. <coughs> okay. okay. 
Okay, yes, Alex. What is it about the fire that's so um, It's hot, it cooks. It's facilitating. In other words, the point is it's not Bishel Akum because he didn't do 100% of the act of Bishel. You follow? In other words, the Jew lit the fire. So he had a hand in the Bishel, and they weren't Gozer in that such, such a situation. So, the reason I guess I'm asking why it's so important that the Jew has to be integral in terms of cooking the food, so it, like to oversee some sort of cosmos? Is it no, not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Like, no, simply, simply when the Chazal were Gozer, they were Gozer purely in the situation of 100% Bishel Akum. If, if it's not complete, if it wasn't all, you know, the process was not completely done by a, a non-Jew, they weren't Gozer. Yes. Important foods. Like foods like everyday foods that we should be aware of. Anything that has a hashkacha on it, a packaged food that has a hashkacha, the mashkiach worries about bishul akum at least on an Ashkenazi level. But there's so many things that aren't. I mean, once you know, once you venture into an area where. It's the gray area of, of non hashkacha. That's when you, you know, get into situations of bishul ankum. Hashkacha initially things. Huh? So mo- only. Yes. Um, this is coming to prevent marriage from non Jews, right? So right. Ultimately, yes. And isn't it the, the need to interact with them more? Doesn't that mean like, the need to interact with them also in the kitchen? <laughs> Isn't that, are you more comp- like Interesting question. I'll, I'll, I'll discuss with you after sure. Yes? Can, can you give us some examples of food or meal items that special Akmo applies to? Everything. What do you mean? Everything. Everything. Steak. Chicken. Everything. Cholent. Everything. Not carrots, right? Not onions. Because onions are natural for natural pie. In other words, your question is really going by saying that after I've given all these, these definitions, you realize that it's not, it shouldn't be such a big problem. And it, it's really not such a big problem, but there are certain foods that are problematic. But steak and chicken aren't necessarily always, they're not naturally bread. You can ask the sandwich. No, let's just say the halacha recognizes that these things are the main part of the meal that's considered balafotatapat. That's the main part of the meal. Yes, Alisha. Somebody does bishul akum with your pot, let's say. Do you use it afterwards? No. No. If someone does bishul akum with your pot, the pot, the, the bishul becomes asur, the achila, and therefore the pot absorbs the flavor of that bishul, and the pot is treif. It has to be koshered. It has to be koshered. So, the, yes, the, the, these are questions that sometimes come up in, in non-YU colleges. That my, my, my roommate borrowed my frying pan, but he only cooked, you know, only fried an egg, and you, know, you have to kosher it. One sec. Boiling uh, tefila or freezing tefila? You have to kosher it, not tefila. Not tefila. You have to kosher it. Whatever, whatever it requires koshering. Yes, sir? The case nowadays, well, like, not like a restaurant, but like, in Vegas, when I buy, if I buy a pastry or something. You buy what? A pastry, you say. That fits all these categories. Um, no, I mean, what kind of pastry? A meat pie or an apple pie? Say meat pie. Okay, go on. Um, a kosher meat pie? Hopefully, well, yes. So then, what's your problem? <laughs> In other words, if if it has a, an OU on it, that means that they should care of the issue of visual you're never going to see or any kind of interaction with the cooker of the item. Doesn't make a difference. So the, gazera, the original gazera is to prevent. Yes, you know something. You know something. There is a, a swirl like you're saying, but 
but there's no there is no um, published tshuva that says what you're saying. There's a, it's a nice swara. It shows that you have a good head and you came up with a good swara, but there's no published tshuva in that particular direction. That's the gzera. That's the gzera. Okay? In other words, you're allowed to ask why, but it's still do or die. That's the gzera. You follow gzera. Okay. Uh, lastly, when it comes to smoking or pickling, that is not a din of Bishel. Okay? And Tanaka makes a very good heading for a smoked fish or a smoked salmon or something like that, then that would be 100% okay. There's no gazera of Bishel Akhman when it comes to kibush or ishun. Okay? Okay, now we get to a third gazera. And that is the Gezeira of Chalavakum. Okay, now here, unlike the other Gezeira, the Chshash here is not because of Chatnut, it's a Chshash of non-kosher milk that was that, that used to be mixed into the kosher milk. In other words, if you had farmers, you don't have, you know, you know like nowadays we have huge dairy farms with tens of thousands of head of, head of, of, of cattle, whatever. You have little farmers... Um, if, you know, they wanted to make a little extra money, so they'll start to milk their horse. They add into the cow milk, or milk their pigs, as an example. They add into the cow milk. And that would not be kosher. Because if something's yotze mihatome, it's tome. When it's not, it's not kosher. And because Chazal saw that, so they made a gezeira uh, called chalavakum. And a person is simply not allowed to drink chalavakum. Now... That's absolute, by the way. You, have, you can't drink, can't drink chalavakum. The question is, nowadays, or if, if you're in a situation where it's near impossible or highly improbable for pig milk to get into your into your cow milk, a because you know it's a farm that has whatever it is, ten thousand heads of, of, of cattle there, and there's not no pig for miles, or because the USDA would shut them down in a second, and, and they don't stand to, to gain a thing from such a thing. Does this Gezeira still apply? And there's a famous shuva of Ramosha Feinstein that says that it doesn't apply. It does, not. does not apply. In America. Well, he's speaking about America, but any type of uh, country that the situation is such right, right. that it would be completely impossible. And this halach is, 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 is reflected a little bit in the fact that many many have the daya that there were gozer on the milk, but they weren't gozer on the cheese or the butter. There are some that are mocked even on cheese and butter, but some say not. And the reason why is because if foreign substance would go into the milk when they wanted to make butter or they wanted to make cheese, often it wouldn't turn into butter or cheese. In other words, the akums or the old cheese makers or, or butter makers were very, very, very careful about the purity of the milk when they wanted to go ahead and make cheese and butter. Okay, they believed all kinds of superstitious stuff, like if, you know, even to stare at it, might, might whatever. And because of that, um, there, there are many Rishon that hold that there's no gzera when it comes to cheese and butter. You oh, you could ask me an interesting question. But didn't this cheese or butter have to be milk once? And it was milked in a state from a guy. In other words, and, and there wasn't a Jew around. So how... How did it become mutter? Okay? So there are two answers. One answer is that when Chazal made the Gezeira of Chalavakum, they weren't gozer on Chalav 
that they knew or that, that the Achim was intending to make into cheese or butter, because they knew that the Achim was, by their nature would be very, very careful. Another answer was that when they made the Gezerah of Cholavakum, they were only gozer on liquids and not on solids. Interesting, yes? So that even though the milk was treif an hour ago, once it became butter and a solid, it now becomes kosher. I heard from Rav Moshe Lichtenstein that he was once at his, um, his great-uncle's house, Rav Aaron Salvechik Zatzal, and he was, who was Makbed on Chol Yisrael, and they didn't have any Chol Yisrael, so he had asked his wife to bring out some of the ice cream from the freezer. The ice cream was not made from Chol Yisrael, and he took a scoop of ice cream and he put it into his coffee. <laughs> Interesting? In other words, he held, like this sheet, though, not only not only that, but that once it becomes solidified, it becomes mutter, even if afterwards it becomes liquid, it stays mutter. Not everybody holds like that, I'm just quoting that he said that. Now, so Ramosha Feinstein feels, in any case, besides the cheese and the butter issue and the solid issue, Ramosha Feinstein felt that Mikra Din, when there's absolutely no chash of anything, you know, of any non-kosher going, milk going in there, you don't have to be mocked on this gazero. The gazero wasn't meant to cover that. Um, there are a lot of modern-day poskim, like Rabbi Yoshev Zatzal, who were completely cholik on that, and, on Rav Moshe Feinstein, and said, no, that there's no such thing, and a person has to only drink Chol Yisrael. And that's why, you know, even in countries where, where, they, where a lot of Jews will eat what's called Stam Chalav, or, or regular Chalav, uh, there are a lot of Jews that are mocked on a Chol Yisrael. So you'll have an OU on milk, but that doesn't make a Chol Yisrael. It has to say the word Chol of Yisrael. What makes a Chol Yisrael? When they have a mashkia that is standing there during the milking process. And there's a mashkia that's there from the milking process on, and then it becomes sealed, etc. That's called Chol Yisrael. Okay, now we get on to... I'm going to try to finish this topic. I'm sorry, if the time at the end will be questions. Now we get to another gazer called Stam Yenam. And I'm really not going into this, even though there are, whatever, well, just on the surface. Min HaTorah, if an if a, if a idol worshiper, a pagan, okay, an idol worshiper, takes some wine and, and pours it for sacramental reasons, that's called Yayin Nesech. Okay, and that's also Bachil and also Bahana, etc. Chazal looked at the din of Yayin Nesech, and they made, they modeled a new din after Yain Esech, and it's called Stam Yenam. Okay? Stam Yenam is if a non-Jew, doesn't make a difference if he's an idol worshiper or whatever, if a non-Jew touches the wine itself or pours the wine, it's Stam Yenam. Okay? And according to many, it's because of Chatnut that they made this rule. Point the most. Chatnut, socializing. They're trying to keep you away from drinking wine with non-Jews. Okay? Um, and, it, and, and basically it's also bachila, also bahana, etc. Now, how do you get around this? Well, first thing you can do is if you have a double seal on the bottle, which is enough, it's a cork and they'll say a plastic seal over it. According to most, that would be enough of a double seal. It won't be, it's not a problem. Okay? Um... Furthermore, if it's Yain Mavushal, Chazal would not go there in a situation of Yain Mavushal, also because they modeled it after the din of Yain Esach, the Araita, which again, Yain Mavushal means it's cooked wine. 
Now, there's a machoket poskim as to what what temperature it has to reach to be to be considered yain vushel, but let's just say, for all practical purposes, if it says on the Bible yain vushel, it's yain vushel, and it wouldn't have a problem. I mentioned in, in the Hilchos Kiddush Shir, Rav Shomazaman Orbach feels felt that it, ha- it would have to be pogam and have to be um, have a negative effect on the taste of the wine in order to be considered yain vushel. Yeah, but most people are not machmir like with Shomazam and Orbach on that point. Okay? And that's basically the din of Yayin Sam Yenam. Yes, sir, Josh. So, what, what, you said that if there's a double seal, like the cork and a pipe, then it's kosher? Then it wouldn't be a problem if a goy, let's say, would bring it to you or, or, or whatever. But once it's unsealed. If they open it, it's unsealed. If they open it, it's gone, right. Yes. Okay? You know what, I'm sorry, I said I'm going to wait. Let me, I'll wait. I'll wait on the Yain questions. Let me just, just finish up the topic. Another Gezeira, okay, connected to Shai's question. What about Birakum? And I'm not offering you Birakum. I'm asking, what's the halacha of beer? You say to yourself, well, they will goza on wine. Maybe it goes on beer. Okay? Now, the first time I ever heard about this, this, this din, this Gezeira, Birakum, was when I was a young man dating. And I had a date, we had a date, and I enjoyed it. And I said to her, I said to her, listen, I really enjoyed it. Maybe you would like to go out again. So she says, okay, let's go to, I don't know what she said, uh, Windows of the World or something like that. Some, somebody said, that's it. I never heard of that restaurant. No, it's not a restaurant. She said, it's, it's, a, it's a bar. She said, a bar? What kind of from girl goes to bars? I asked myself. And I say to her, I don't know whether, you know, Halachi is supposed to be going to bars. And she says, well, X, Y, and Z took me to bars, people that I knew. And, <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I said, I really don't know, but I'd like to do some investigation. And then because it sounds a little bit, you know, fishy to me, I said, you know what, the next date, we'll go to, this, to, to Central Park. You bring the food, and I'll bring the swarm. Okay. And I knew I, I knew I looked like a super nerd and etc etc. But I thought to myself, listen, the only way this girl is going to redeem herself is if she agrees to the second date, and and we'll learn with the swarm. If she agrees, and then we could move on, you know. And I'll forget about the bar suggestion. Anyways, so that's that's what happened. I went to did, I did my research, and sure enough, I found Chazal will go there on beer alcohol as well. In other words, Chazal will go there on any alcoholic. It seems any alcoholic drink that existed in their time, they weren't goza on on on, on scotch, etc., etc., because distillation wasn't yet invented. But wine is fermented, and beer is also fermented, other things, so to speak, and they were goza. And but there, with Agazera specifically, they were only goza that you can't drink it in the tavern that is being served at. In other words, like all these other things we mentioned was an isur chefza. Here it wasn't exactly an Yisra No, The object doesn't become also, it's just you can't, it's like a restriction. It's like brown begging. In other words, you can't drink it at the tavern. You could take it home and you could drink, you're allowed to drink it. The Ramah adds on another thing that when Chazawa goes there, there only goes there on date beer. No pun intended. Okay? Um, because in, in Bavel, that's what, how they made beer out of dates. But our beer, the Ramah says, the good German beer, okay, or, or the Polish beer, I guess, from the Ramah, the, the, uh, our beer that's made out of grain, etc., they weren't gozer, because they, they didn't drink it. And therefore, it doesn't, it's not chal on our beer. Okay? So what happened? So what happened what, with the girl? Yeah. yeah. Huh? 
I married her. That's what happened. Yeah, Questions? Yes. When what? At like weddings or bar mitzvahs when yeah. It has to be Moshe. Caterers, caterers that give non-Jews to, to be waiters only use the Ayin Moshe. Okay. The Mashkiach has to take care of that. Yes. Chuck. What? I can't hear you. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I want to mention something. But there, there, there's a Truven in, in a number of places, there are three different places that I'm aware of that Igor Moshe mentions it. Ramosha Feinstein, when says, it says you could be Mekio on, on the issue of Chol Yisrael, he also says that a Baal Nefesh, I mean, a, a Yerushalayim should be mapped on Chol Yisrael. So there's always like an argument, what did Rav Moshe really mean? Did he drink it? Didn't he drink it? There's all kinds of stories of, of Rav Moshe drinking, uh, you know, non Chol Yisrael. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things on that. What did you want to say? Yeah, um, Indeed. It always costs more money. Somebody has to support the, the, the Mashiach. It has to, by definition, cost more money. Yeah, even so. Yes. What's the point of having for you when it comes to Moshe's That calls you out to drink. Oh, no, because there's other additives. There's like, there's like vitamin D is added. There's a, there's a kosher, things like that. Okay? Have a good night.